What's up, everybody? Welcome to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. Okay, hear me out. <laughs> I know I usually do the air horns, but then, like, we just start talking and people are probably like, yo, who is this chick? And I know they kind of know who I am, but I think, like, I'll do the air, save the air horns for, like, when I'm really feeling myself. Okay. And then be like, oh, hey, y'all, it's Farrah, too. So, yeah. Well, give me something better than "Hey, y'all, it's fair too." I'm just—I mean, like what? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. maybe I—that's what I was saying. Like, I need to come up with something different that I'm saying. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been saying that for two years, so it's like a—it's like a reflex the second right. I hit record. Yeah, yeah. All right, y'all. We—I need a new intro. Somebody, all, all my creatives out there that are listening in, give me give me a new intro <laughs> before I just, you know, come up with some old crazy shit on my own <laughs> or do you want to keep hearing me do the air horns i like the air horns because I, I feel like it might people might be like oh the air horns like you know what i'm saying i don't know if anybody's saying that i i'm i'm with air horns you entering the room with your energy with the that's air true horns. that's so true. people that's your that's your stamp <laughs> yeah it is my sound now but still, I would like to know what people think. Like, do you want to keep hearing the air horns? Would you like to meet for me to formally introduce myself? Like, what would you like to hear, people? How would you introduce yourself? We way off topic. I have but... no idea how I would <laughs> introduce myself. <laughs> All right, y'all. We need a we need a formal banging ass introduction for Farrah too. I'm gonna uh, shop a couple of things over the next few episodes. Be prepared. For some crazy ass podcast introductions. Oh, okay. To each new episode. Okay. Um, but anyway, let's get started. If I sound a little raspy, it's because we're re-recording our intro. Because <laughs> you know, sometimes shit don't go the way you think I it's mean, going. You know, life. Um, and so, full disclosure, we had some technical issues uh, when we did the last one, so we just had to re-record when make sure that folks were all unmuted. And so it's early in the morning, not really early in the morning, but early enough. It's early enough. So I'm a little raspy. I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's the tweet. <laughs> that's the tweet. So um, last time we didn't when the, the intro that no one heard, we didn't talk about updates. But do you have anything you want to share this time? Mm, no. I'm Nope. I don't have anything. It's fair. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think there was this thing that was trending for a while, like at the beginning of COVID. And then I started to see some counter to it. And it was like, you know, all right, it's COVID. You know, everybody's at home. This is your time to do a, have a skill. This mm-hmm. is your time to do this, do that. And it's yeah. just like, it was a fucking global pandemic and people are in crisis. Maybe it's time to chill. Yeah, that's definitely, I've definitely seen things lately about how like it's okay to like not be doing all these things like you need an LLC and you need to start to fund your emergency fund for $10,000 and all of these things and it's like I've seen posts where it's like it's really okay if you did not do all of those things or none of them or not even one of them we we gonna have to have a couple different conversations about uh woke in the, in, the, in the upcoming episodes, because I have some thoughts about just the term of that. A couple of different terms that we are using now, such as woke, such as POC and BIPOC, BIPOC. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to have a conversation about that. But, like, I agree with you. Yeah, like, sometimes just, like, this is 
people live in crisis on a lot of different ways and sometimes it's time for people to just be able to get their bearings and just survive and, and even if it's not a crisis like it's okay if you're not an entrepreneur <laughs> you know like everyone can't be that so it's like it's okay some people work a nine-to-five some people are entrepreneurs some people I mean everybody has their own way of living and it's okay to not be doing what everyone else is doing. Facts. Facts. And on that note, I probably have updates, but honestly, I got too much going on, so I don't feel like sharing it <laughs> um, because I always have a lot of things going on in my head. That's not true. I will share one update that I think is really, really important. I'm working on this case of Dolores White mm-hmm. um, and her daughter, Jamisha. Folks who haven't heard me talk about it, Dolores has been in jail since April 15th, 2020, and is facing first degree murder for defending her daughter and her home during a domestic violence incident. And so I'm working on a number of different things, including a virtual concert supported by some friends of mine and also members of Rec Philly to help pay for her legal fees and just care while she's in prison because she's been suffering from a number of health issues. Dolores is a 68-year-old grandmother. And so we're doing some a lot of rallying to support, by, but also applying public pressure to get her free. So that's one thing that I'm working on. Feel free to go to the link in my bio on, at Salas Corner on Instagram to sign the petition, to donate where you can, but also to sign up for the virtual concert where the proceeds will be going directly to Dolores. So that's one thing that I'm working on that I want to I want to plug in there. Yeah, that's really important. Like that's it's just it's insane that she's even going through something like that. Like yeah. the criminal justice system is trash. The state of Pennsylvania is trash. Side note has nothing to do with nothing. The city of I mean, we already talk about how the city of Philadelphia is trash. Mm-hmm. But like the fashion, quote unquote, fashion district, I was walking through here because I call it the L because I live in West Philly. So I'm not driving down here. And I call it the L and I'm walking through it. And it's like, this is supposed to be a new fucking construction. And the ground, like on the ground, there's like electrical, t- like there's cracks in the in the marble and they have like tape on the cracks like it's so fucking ghetto like yeah it's uh you want to rebrand this as the fashion district but it got fucking tape all over the floor and shit like it's uh i i i i feared when this reopened that you know it was going to be like the gallery was back in the day that the second it started the cracks started to show and the deterioration or issues started to kick in the maintenance and upkeep of it was going to start to decline, and I think I think it's even heightened because of the pandemic as well. Because it's legit tape on the floor, so like a bunch of it, like little teeny Yikes. squares all over the place, covering cracks. It's ridiculous. That's Philly for you. Anyway, let's go ahead and move into our topic: politics meets pop culture. So I guess this is is this pop culture now? We talked about this before, but like Donald Trump was at CPAC. Oh yeah, I mean. Not really. That's that's white culture. (laughs) (laughs) White culture. They are no culture. Um, That's my point. Like that's that's something that's they that's their shit. That's not that's not pop culture. Right. Yeah. That's that's more. And also, it kind of is in the political realm. But it was kind of crazy that like they brought in this golden. 
yeah. idol of Donald Trump. The golden calf. <laughs> with with draped in the American flag and was literally praying to it. Like yeah. whether it be a joke or not, like the the praying part of it, like it was something wrong with these people. Something is really wrong with these uh, these white yeah. supporters. These conservatives. Now, I know what cult looks like. I know what a cult looks like. Okay. I think I've mentioned this before. Mm -hmm. I grew up in one of them Mm -hmm. crazy ass things. And spent some of my adult life in it too. And so I know what cult looks like. That's some cult ass shit. Yeah. That's, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, it it was, it was, it's really, honestly, it's wild. And I I said this before and mark my words. I'm going to say it here. Four years from now, we are going to see events similar to what happened at the Capitol on January 6th, where we're going to see a a rise. And particularly once we get closer to like the presidential election, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a rise and just you know extreme activity and because we 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 haven't really addressed yeah it now the way like that it in, needs in a in a broader scale and it's going to just fester over the next four years yeah i um, want that to not be true but i know that is highly likely so it's like yeah i mean we we're, we're you know we're a lot of folks are taking this model of you know, we got to come together and it's like, how do you come together with a group of people that believe in hating someone else that think they're superior, that don't want to negotiate. They just want, you know, to disrupt and destroy things until they get their way. Like, you, which is why Joe Manchin needs to leave the Democratic Party. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. saying. There's a, there's some there's some. From what I hear in, in speaking in different circles, there's some activation on addressing him and Kristen Cinema. Yeah. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on. Enough of, the, enough of on that. Everything is local. What is what's happening locally? So the what I had is that Malcolm Kenyatta, he's a state rep mm-hmm. uh, representing Philadelphia. He is running for the Senate. Mm-hmm. So he's he threw his hat in the Democratic race. I'm excited about him. I'm really excited. I'm going to, well, depending on who else gets in the field, obviously is not um, done yet. There's still time for more Democrats to, to jump in. But right now we have him and Fetterman. I haven't heard of anyone else, but I am 100% for him before I would ever vote for Fetterman. I mean, if I have to vote for Fetterman, I will, but I'm all about Malcolm Kenyatta. I'm really excited about his his bid. Yeah, I, I, I find it hard to see how Fetterman gets Philadelphia support in a primary. Yeah. He'll need that, honestly, to, you know, really to win that primary May 18th. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't it's a remember Tuesday either. in May. And so, yeah, I think Malcolm Kenyatta has a good chance of winning the primary. The big question is, is once he gets Statewide. to the general election, how, how that's going to play on the western half of PA because the western half of PA is racist. It's AF. Alabama. Yeah. That's 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 really important, and and it's really exciting to see. There's also the district attorney's race mm-hmm. happening, um, which is heating up, which I'll be doing some work around. Full disclosure, but you know there's Krasner and who's the current district attorney and Vega. He is a former detective in Philadelphia. Carlos Vega running on the Democratic ticket, and so this is this is. 
I think this is a real test on what Philadelphia wants to see when it comes to progressive policies on policing. Because Carlos Vega is running this tough on crime, traditionalist (sighs) The minute you said officer, you lost me at officer. (laughs) But the problem is, though, is, you know, Philadelphia, I'm not sure that they are as progressive when it comes to policing and public safety as the protests may have looked like, mm-hmm. you know, because as we see a rise in violent crime, we also see a rise on the same rhetoric of increased policing, tough on crime, crackdown on, you know, violent offenders and things like that. And and instead of, you know, I see some, on, I see pockets of organizations and individuals talking about investing and creating spaces for, for people to, um, you know, divert them. From violent crime but i'm seeing a lot more rhetoric of tough on crime talk and so this is a test i think and right now to see between vega and uh krasner yeah i mean i think that i think the difference though is that the 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 protests were the people mm-hmm. right like the people want progress the city is a whole nother situation and the city officials are a whole nother situation krasner was so, a phenomena the when he first ran mm-hmm. like there was no one who ran on the platform that he ran on and um wanted to make the changes that he wanted to uh institute right so i think he was the the real first the the tr- first true progressive candidate for philadelphia who was about his word as much as he could be obviously because of politics but the city the people the city and the city are two different things. One one of the things that I see, though, is while city officials also kind of, you know, like I said, talk about that rhetoric, that then filters down to the folks in the city. And yeah, that's so, true. And, and, but it's not just like the city officials. It's also like heads of organizations that are, that are spouting some of that rhetoric. Mm-hmm. It's also you know, people that show up to these organizations. I'm saying that because like I've, I, you know, I've been doing these, you know, for those who don't know, you know, I lead weekly calls with, with uh, color change and organization for Philadelphia specifically for like our squad and like folks show up to there and, and, and spout that, like we gotta be tough on crime or like at one point somebody said like, do we, you know, black on black crime was the thing. And I was like, bruh, like we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that no more. And so what kind what kind of people they were black, they were black. And so and they, and these weren't like these weren't elected officials. These weren't folks that run organizations or head organizations or even affiliated with directly with organizations. These were average folks. And so that rhetoric filters down. And when people are bombarded with a rise on crime, you know, which is not just happening in Philadelphia. It's While I, it's, a, it's an yeah. epidemic in Philadelphia, it's happening all across the country. It rise mm-hmm. on violent crime. People are also seeing on the state level from Attorney General Josh Shapiro constantly attacking the, the district attorney in Philadelphia about what he is doing and isn't doing instead of actually finding ways to be of assistance and supporting some of the policies. Yeah. And so... You got it coming from the state level. You got to come from the city level, all directed towards attacking the the district attorney, whether it's valid or not. And so people start to pick up that rhetoric. And I'm starting to see that happening. And so I really think this is a huge, huge test with between Krasner 
and Vega on like what the people of the city are going to want. Like, are we going to remember what people were chanting in in the streets in the summer, in the summer of of twenty twenty, or as we start to see more and more murders get sensationalized in in the media? And through social media, because that's really where a lot of these murders are being sensationalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see them all the time across my feed. It's for no reason. And and, and I think the, and there's a conversation I think to be had about like how we share through social media. Um, we've had that conversation before. <laughs> we we have we've had we in different formats, but I think it's it's worth dedicating like a good like episode to to talking about like you know is it important to share just like you know is it the right format to talk about and share videos of gun violence that's happening in the city mm. right because does it provide a right the right kind of context for folks to understand what's taking place right versus you know a professional organization like a news outlet being able to factually report on a story but also you can hold them accountable right, for I was that about to say well. responsibly and so rather even if they're not responsible through the news organizations you can still there's avenues through holding them accountable social media doesn't have that and so that's a real yeah. conversation but right now we every time I open Instagram I'm seeing you know folks trending all of these share you know murder 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 and it's like it's becoming sensationalized in a way that induces fear, mm-hmm. which induces this tough on crime rhetoric. So, yeah, the work is never easy, and it's never ending. It and it it shouldn't be easy. I think the problem is is people expect it to be easy. Yeah, and if you people just have this notion that like people should just do good, people should just like do what's and it's like well, yeah. good is a perspective, good is a point of view. It's not even that people should. It's not even that it's a point of view, which it is, but in this instance, it's it's a white supremacist thought process, right? Because they dictate what's good and what's bad and, and why something is good and why something is bad as opposed to looking at each situation for what it is and properly handling something in that manner right yeah. so it's definitely it's a, it's a symptom of white supremacy it's not just something as simple as oh be good or bad it's a symptom of white supremacy yeah and and the, the, the struggle is identifying that for people who are used to the system mm-hmm. who don't identify who the from system it. who benefit from it who benefit from it but also just are indoctrinated by it and right. don't view it as a white supremacist system or a symptom of a white supremacist system mm-hmm. they view it as the norm and so which like kind of leads the into the black on black crime myth that right. exists like that like the tough on crime rhetoric and kind of like what we're going to i can say this in retrospect now kind of what we're going to go into with our guests of like you know how do you have conversations to convince people that the entire system is broken no, it's not broken though. Or, or I won't say broken, but how do you convince people that the entire system needs it's to be trashed? It's violent and harmful, right? Right. When it's been their norm, mm-hmm. that's v- incredibly hard to do. Yeah. All right. I think it's time for a quick break. I think I think now's a good time. All right. Let's take a break, and then we'll be back with our main topic. Here at Salas Corner, I am always looking to connect with new people hear new perspectives, and share new stories. And right now, I want to hear from you. 
email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com and we can get your story feature on our next episode. All right, we are back. We have a guest in the studio. We have a guest in the studio. This is our first guest, our as, first a, guest. As, a, as a duo. First guest. And so normally when I have a guest, I like to get to know them a little bit. You know, I have, and get, you know, my listeners to get to know them a little bit, the, the work that they do, how they got into things. So I used to write down a ton of questions that I wanted to say and, and everything, but just didn't allow for really like getting to know you. So I'm going to start with just giving you the floor to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, we'll, we'll dive into it. Chop it up. Man, well, first, thank everyone for listening, man, the invite and just being here and having this first couple of minutes of y'all, I feel at home, so I'm not even a guest, man, so we can take that off. But, Think or <laughs> snaps. Um, Setting the vibe. I'm, I'm here, just up in here. We, we're making it work. And, and that's basically my story, man. Like, I'm, I'm from a family that I grew up in South Philadelphia. My mother and my grandma got a sister who has a, a son, my little nephew, Maj. Got three daughters, Tayana, Makaya, Shakela, who are basically the bosses. Do what they want to do. I basically have to listen and, and learn while I'm going on. Had some struggles growing up, you know, just like anybody else. You know, I, I took the time to just really look in the mirror over my challenges, being shot, been going to jail for five years. But then just knowing some of the hurt that I've been through, just being a, a person, you know, from mm. the emotional pain that from losing my grandma and cousins and, and, and people that I thought were idols and stuff because of you know the neighborhood and environment that i lived in you know but just translating those challenges into some of you know the stories that i deal with in our community from you know just loving another black man you know not having a father is not the excuse of being a, a good man mm-hmm. you know so I, I take those things with the people that i meet and it's not just growing up with them you know like you bro like it's somebody that sees us and like you know what how can I enhance that? How can that story be different? Because we don't want to go through the same thing that, you know, we've been through, you know. So I just try to really relate my upbringing to my community, you know. So I try to keep it short and sweet with myself and try to do what, you know, I produce young chances for. And that's providing programs and resources for our community on a day-to-day basis. You know, like we were talking the political and the social things earlier, but a lot of those things evolve around poverty. And mm-hmm. we try to address those in a fun way. You know, we, we stress about it. We go through the pain and, and those things because we live it. So we try to do markets and events and programs and, and, and issues around those things to combat it. But it's a challenge, you know, because you see the, the gun violence, you see the disparities and like the food and the, and the funding and stuff like that. But we still won. You know, like this is this is us like and it's not to make light of how we started off today, but nothing is perfect. So that's my small intro is is really a work in progress and and trying to get the show done, bro. Just just to put a a finer point on nothing starts as perfect. The first segment that we did, one of the microphones was muted. Just to put (laughs) a finer point on on that. Nothing is perfect. Tell me about like where you grew up and kind of like the pathway to even get you to like where you are politically. I, I would say I, I grew up in one tent. That was the address of, of my house. And a lot of times, you know, people describe their neighborhoods and, and they describe, you know, the, the, the part of the city that they're from. One ten was an open door. You know, my grandma, Roberta Chan, she ran like a community triage, so to say. Anybody that was hurting that needed a helping hand, you know, she was there. And, and it wasn't based off color. You know, 
my grandma, she had a house on Front and Christian. So if anybody knew, that's spitting distance to Penn's Landing. Mm-hmm. And she was the only black lady down there for over 50 years. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that you made fun of because you knew what it is to have a property on Front and Christian, if you know what I'm saying. But it, it wasn't the property. It was what she held, and she held love. And I didn't quite understand it that there was blacks, whites, old, young, fat, skinny, that they came there for what they was missing on the outside. And that's what I grew up in. But the whole time while my grandma's door was open, she was trying to protect us from those those ills, those challenges that are out there, from the, the physical and emotion, the sexual abuse that was going on, from the just ban the, the education and, and banning communities where there is no love. You know, so she tried, and she did on, on an everyday basis, open up those doors, the pots, the pans, for us to eat, for us to live. And, and that's what I try to do in our community. You know, like we don't need, so to say, the funding, the, but as long as we got each other and a plan, we can make it done. You, I, I see where you get a lot of your politics from because of that as well. And I think that's where a lot of black folks get their politics mm-hmm. is kind of related to creating a better sense of community and everything. That, would, would you say I described that correctly? What else, and then what else do you, would you say contributes to kind of where you get your politics from? Well, for real, reality, man. You know, you know politics is just a, a word that really separates our day-to-day life mm-hmm. you know when you talk about funding when you talk about poverty when you talk about educational disparities food disparities th- those are the politics but the community is us you know my organization is named young chances foundation because my grandma name is roberta chance and i knew that if we could just give a young a little bit of a chance of what she gave me and my family we'd be all right you know that's and, awesome and it's you know one of the things that she always said it's not what you do it's how you do it you know and i and i try to show people that you don't always need the titles you don't need the money you don't need everything that is so to say glorified nowadays mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. through the social media and, and and i don't want to misuse those things because that is needed for some generations and some things but i think that the message sometimes is missed because it's quick mm-hmm. because it's right there people see the posts but sometimes they don't see how many times you had to correct the hashtag they don't see how many times you had to go back and say well oh, I can't put that there or this emoji is different they see that but they never see the work you mm-hmm. know they never see what goes into that post and you know that's where I try to you know relate to the community like yeah it's cool you see that but come here and volunteer for a couple and your volunteer may help you get your ID because you keep getting stopped by the cops you know? mm-hmm. and the first thing that they ask you is where your ID mm-hmm. but that's the law because stop and frisk it's real. Mm-hmm. And we don't want young men to go through some of the atrocities that they're going through. Let's try to prevent those things. Mm-hmm. So you you found Young Chances Foundation. What were you doing prior to that? Like, what was the... I was in the mix. I was I was cool, bro. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I was just coming home. I, I was chilling. And, and I co-founded with my young boy. Like, he, he passed. But he wanted to play. He didn't want to be in the mix. You know, for me, I was I was comfortable. I was in the zone where it's like, all right, I ain't going back, but I ain't doing nothing to stay out, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the reality. And I think a lot of young, especially young black men, find themselves in that space. And that's life. Yeah. It's And that's the terminology that I try to tell the young boys, like, get out that space because you can. Like, and you don't have to jump. Take your time. Like, what you want to do? Like, 
your hustle don't have to be the corner. It could be building that corner. It could be doing it. It's how you survive through life every day. Don't just take the weed. Take the water. Take the houses. You got a couple dollars. Go buy some shorts. Go buy some sneaks. And flip them, Jones. You know all your young boys, all your team going to buy sneaks every week when they get some money. Buy five pairs of sneaks. Make $100 off of each of them. And you up. You can start your own sneaker villa. You can start your own Kicks USA. You can start your own Snipes. Hmm. Your folk do that. Yeah, why y'all go 10 deep to the market when you can buy your own and flip it yourself? So, see, like that's I, I like what you said about you know a lot of a lot of a lot of brothers have the mentality of like when they get out, I ain't going back. But you ain't doing nothing to keep you mm-hmm. from going, right? You ain't doing nothing to keep you home. And what you, you know, you just told, it makes sense, right? Like, find a way to kind of make your own money, make your dollar, you know, take that mindset of being out there on the corner to, or not being caught doing something to actually being something that's profitable, you know, your own business. How does that actually go, though, when you have those conversations with folks in the community about the the avenues out away from, you know, the life that leads you being locked up, locked away, to doing something that's more legit, quote unquote. So I'm I'm gonna be honest. Some people, you know who you gonna deal with, and you know who you're not gonna deal with. It's like I look at this as a business, and it, and it's you have to protect your business. So you look at your customers, and you say, is this customer first of all ready for my business? Because I invest in this. Mm-hmm. Like, ain't nobody giving me no scholarship to start a community organization. So you have to invest your time as your insurance plan. So you say, am I investing this? Because I got three daughters. I got a mom. I got a nephew. Do this young man or this young woman, is they ready? Mm. Because I know the pain. I know some of the ups and downs. And that's the reality. We could point the finger. We can do it. But until you look in the mirror and say, you know what? This person may fail, but are they willing to accept that? Because it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. That person have to be ready to understand what they're about to go through. Not the end. The challenges. Because right. people going to call you a sellout. They're going to call you a rat. They're going to call you a nut. They're going to call you everything, but you're doing the right thing. Right. And that's before you get there. <laughs> yeah. And you have to take inventory of your process. Like, you know what? I want to help this person. Because I see that some about them, first of all, they came to you. And that takes a lot, especially in our community, for you to say, you know what, I'm done pointing the finger. I'm going to look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'm going to go and find somebody to help me because I can't do it on my own. And then you say, you know what, what you want to get done. And if they say anything, help them find anything. Because some of our people, they literally don't know. Yeah. And that's cool. Some people look at if you don't have a plan or you felt, no, I know that how I'm living ain't right. Help me figure it out. Mm-hmm. How I got introduced to you, I think it was through Carlos. It might yes. have been. Uh, yeah, was it Carlos? We love Philly. Yes, sir. We love good Philly. brother. Good brother. He records his podcast out here as well. Good, good brother, Carlos. The second I get introduced to somebody, you know, I, I start to look into them a little bit, kind of see what the things that they're doing via social media and things like that. Maybe check out their websites. You do a lot in the community to feed them, to supply them with 
you know, the essentials in a lot of ways. I think we, we, when we actually, when we got initially introduced, it was already, the pandemic was already kind of underway. How long have you been doing that? Has it been like an uptick of a focus since the pandemic has started, or you've been doing this long before that? Well before, so I'm blessed enough to have a community that rocks. You know, like I, I couldn't do this without our people in the community that's there right now, like Mr. James, Lil, my mom, Kim, and the 17th Police District, Jess. Like it's a partnership of people who, who make this work, and it's been going on for years. And we can't say that the pandemic is the reason why we have been highlighted for real for real it just shown what we needed we needed education we needed food we needed supplies we needed hygiene we needed care on young people we needed funding for mental health like we needed awareness with police brutality this wasn't a pandemic this was a lesson for society like hold up chill like and and it's not to make light of 500,000 people dying but check the numbers. Men lie, women lie, but who don't? Numbers don't. What's the disparity? So if the hashtag is get back to normal, who's gonna look in the mirror? Hmm. If they want us to get back to normal, that's the problem. Right. Because normal is we on the bottom. Normal is our kids don't have. Normal is our community is on the back burner. Normal is our rec centers don't get funded. That's normal. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to get back to. And that's why we rock every day, bro. Yeah. I think a lot of people have this conception or this misconception, I should say. When the pandemic is over, everything will be back to normal and we'll be able to go back to our day-to-day lives. But it's more about moving forward and changing things and changing our mindsets of how we interact in, within our community. So how are you, Are you? is there anything that's specific that you're doing that is highlighting what the path for, forward after the pandemic is quote unquote deemed over or? So we, during, during the pandemic, we have started an initiative called RAP. It's what we want to talk about. So in the young community, that's the lyrics, that's rap music and things like that. But the acronym for us is Rally Against Poverty. And each of the initiatives that we do, we focus on food, educational, and the PPE services that never come to our community. And with those numbers, we're going to use those to forward those to our local politicians and also the people who have the funding to keep our zip code at the table. Because far too long, as you saying, like, we don't want to go back to the same things. Mm-hmm. Our organization opened up our community engagement center about two years ago, six months before the pandemic. We believe that if our building was opened up since March 13th and we, and we did over 400,000 pounds of food, that if this was just a, a small token in other communities, what benefit that could have done? And we did that without the, the millions that these other organizations and city-funded organizations did in those areas. You know, like, and it's not to highlight our organization because we're just a representation no, of highlight the, your organization. the other organizations that's out there. There's... there's grandmoms and block captains that's doing this work in the, in the kitchens mm-hmm. in their homes every day yeah. you know like I'm just young I got a team I got some volunteers and some folk that connect and make it work but this is our community yeah you know these these are the people that are out here day to day rocking like look bro like we're doing a podcast when channel 6 CNN should be highlighting us you know like it, mm-hmm. it should be the BINs it should be like we're gonna make sure we cool on the ground it's about us getting over right you know, like we gonna support each other. 
But who's going to make sure that we have some foundation? Support is cool. We need foundation to move now. And those are the things that we're trying to make sure that we're rally against because I don't want our kids going back to the school where it was asbestos in it. So mixed COVID, how about the public health issue that's going on? Right. You know, and then you're saying you want the kids to go back to school, but within that four-block radius, there's a turf war going on. Like, this is the reality that our kids are living in. So I don't, I don't believe that we should talk about Black Lives Matter on one thing when our black futures should matter. If a kid can't walk to school and they're being killed by another 13 or 14 year old, what are we doing? Right. There, there's so many different directions I want to go in based off of what you just said. But I want to talk. I want to dive back into this this attack on poverty that you're focused on. What have you you know have you talked to any local or state officials about some of the systemic problems that have existed prior to the, the pandemic prior to COVID, right? And, you know, Farah mentioned about like not the, the not returning to normal. What what is I won't say you, know, you don't necessarily have to throw anybody under the bus or mm-hmm. talk about any, you know, possible partnerships that you're you're pursuing, but like how is the how is the response from elected leaders, just in a general sense, on the seriousness of not just returning to life as it was pre COVID and actually putting plans in place that starts to resolve some of these systemic issues. So essentially what's your confidence in the elected leaders actually taking this stuff seriously? So, so there's twofold to how I'm answer. We have the elected officials and we have our representatives. Our elected officials are the ones that go into the office and they do what they're supposed to do because they're elected to do those. Those are the people that you see with the titles, you see them on TV, you may see them doing stuff doing the highlights. You mm-hmm. may see them throwing some cloths every once in a while. You may see them, you know, hop on a couple news and say, I'm for, you know, put a fist up every once in a while. But then there are some people who are representatives of us. Mm-hmm. Then there are some people that regardless of the titles, you know that they're doing our work, that they know the story. And a couple of folks that I have relationships with, and you know, I'll talk about State Rep Joanna McClinton, who was the first woman to chair the House. And I'm not saying that because of her title, it's because of where she come from. Mm-hmm. And the stories and the battles that she's fighting is not because of the day, it's because of the laws that were written for years. She's just a young lady trying to do her work out in Harrisburg. But she got a team out there with, like Jordan Harris, who's in South Philadelphia, mm-hmm. who's working the work, who's doing it, but you have a Republican-run House. right? Like, we, we have to talk about our elected officials in the capacity that they're fighting. Imagine going to a schoolyard where you got two of your friends against the whole school, and you expect them to come out with a win. Right. If they get a couple, that's cool. So the response is, what are we doing on the ground? What are they doing on the state level? And you find some people who represent us. As a whole, the elected officials are failing us. Find you some representatives in your area, in your districts for there. On the local level, it's a show. You see the violence going up. You see the elections going up. Everybody wants the posters. They want those things. The city of Philadelphia has failed us as a whole. Make no mistake about it. But you do have some representatives out there. You have some departments. Like I'll talk about Councilman Johnson, who's not only like my bro but a mentor, but he's from South Philly. He's from the area where gun violence ain't a title. 
it ain't something that you run around and you march on. Like you lost your peoples. You do these things on a day to day basis. So it's not, oh, when you look at the news, you're looking at the murders. You know these people. This somebody cousin. This part you grew up with. So when we looking at stuff, it's like, how do we address that beef that's going on with that person that you know? Now in the politics coming into part. Because you have these organizations and these programs that's been going on for 40 or 50 years, and they don't want to let go. Mm-hmm. That's where you try to change some of that funding. Throw lines where how can you readjust who's getting that money? Some accountability. Where are these programs that say that they're helping our community? What are they doing? Because we can talk about moving and the people that are in the position, but let's talk about these contracts that the city gave these small organizations that ain't helping these communities. You, you, you mentioned, and anybody who's listened to the podcast will know I, I expressed the same sentiments that the city of Philadelphia has failed us. I've been saying the city has been on fire for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's elected, it's elected leaders. I, I grouped them all together, rightfully or wrongfully, but by and large have failed us, not yes. just with COVID, but with the rise of gun violence, with the inadequate and just haphazard plans to reopen schools, to the vaccine rollout. And you and I have talked <laughs> about yes. about that together. And so what, if you had your wish, I like to ask this question sometimes to folks, you had your wish, funding, whatever program you want to get, you know, to reach where it needed to go. What's the first thing you would do to address the problems and ailments of Philadelphia? What type of, what what would that action be and what would it be toward? I, I would first call on the mayor to make an executive order that poverty be a public health issue. What does that do? That aligns the institutions, the colleges, and all of them to address the environments that the people live in. This won't just go on data from the police department, from community groups. It will go on from breathing, from refineries in areas, mm-hmm. from asthma, from critical thinking. These are the things that is not a program. If people have been living in a concentrated area for 40 years and you've seen that small groups have been breathing this air in, and the health department knows that this is going to be going on for the next 50 years, how do we min- minimize that? Because if you have this zip code that's been living in this way, address that. Bringing everybody to the table to have a conversation, not just around the gun violence, but how we're living as a whole. Mm-hmm. This is a public health pandemic. People can't pay their bills. That causes an emotion and mental stress. That can cause physical harm in our community. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that is an election cycle. This is something that scientists need to study and make that data clear. Like we we talk, men lie, women lie, but numbers never will. So you're saying, and that's a hard sell for a lot of folks, but you're saying all of these ailments of our society should be deemed as public health crises. Every last one of them. Whether it be education, whether it be access to utilities. That's a hard sell for a lot of politicians who want to section off areas of the government. And what you're doing. You have something. You can point it. Mm -hmm. Look in the mirror now. I could point it at, oh, the economic school. Oh, your housing, go ahead over there. Your emotion, go over there. Give you one plate. Now deal with this. Head to toe. 
I think, but I, I think that's a smart way of looking at it, though, because if you really think about it, it all all of it is is one thing. That's why reform is is a difficult thing to to comprehend or to to, to plan out because the effects of one aspect of things can mushroom out to so many different things is not a one plan fix for this one particular area because this area affects this area which affects this next area and so it's like a it's a revolving it's a revolving thing so i mean i i think that makes complete sense what do, what is and and I'll just take this in contrast to how social media and the pictures go. There's a lot of challenges that go up. And if you put the corona pandemic next to the gun violence pandemic or poverty pandemic, right? If you took the same steps to get us a new body with poverty in the community, where would we be at? Look what the government has done. They said, we're going to shut everything down. What if they said, you know what? Today, do not move. I'm going to wipe your record clean. I'm going to wipe your finances clean. Mm. I'm going to wipe everything clean. Listen, I'm going to wipe you down. You're going to be clean. you got no diseases. Your educational background. Everything is done. Before you step out, everybody that's out there is going to have a clean view of you, too. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to throw dirt on you. Matter of fact, they're not even going to get close enough to you to contaminate you. I'm going to treat you as though you are the new person in America. There's no discrimination. Everything about you is pure. How would our society be? That's a that's a thought. <laughs> that is a thought. That's a thought. But they expect us to get thrown back in the clean, normal. Right, with, but without doing because anything society, to, to the fix. The market is going to go back, right? Education, charters, all of them going to go back. But what about us? But see, now that, that, that kind of brings us full circle, though, because before we get to wiping everybody with that clean slate, it's how do you introduce the thought or, in, or have conversation around the thought that society was broken already before a pandemic? I will, I will look at, you know, just using that wording from the, the Constitution, too. I, I don't know if you pay, got a chance to view the Amend series that's out on Netflix, and, and they focus a lot on the 14th Amendment. Mm. And I was talking with to— With Will Smith, right? Yes, with Will mm -hmm. Smith. And I was talking to a, a couple of our elected officials of Constitutional people, and I said, does having a criminal record violate your 14th Constitutional Amendment? And I, and I asked that because <laughs> as a race— because of sex, those things are eliminated. But if you could find that, if you could find things that it only curtailed a certain particular race and a certain particular, and it violated those rights because in any place, if you had what they called a felony or something, you couldn't be free. Look about house arrest, home confinement. <laughs> I know somebody on house arrest right now. <laughs> Can that person get a job? Will he be trusted? Will he be looked at in society in the same light as somebody else? Yeah. Does that violate them? And I ask that because how many of us have those? What demographics does that target? 
That's interesting. It's, inter- it's just an interesting way to think about it because it, it kind of ties into conversations we've had before mm-hmm. about the criminal justice system and how it's not broken because it's actually work- working exactly the way that it was supposed to. And so it kind of it, it just ties in that way for me. I was going to say before we go into deeper into that explanatory comma, that basically means we need to explain to the audience what we're talking about. What is the 14th Amendment? So the what's, for- a, what's an easy way of summing that? <laughs> the 14th <laughs> so Amendment. the 14th Amendment is the new world, so to say. It's mm-hmm. after the Civil War. It's after the African Americans got their freedom, so to say. They fought to have these rights and the Constitution that really supposed to dismantle all of the slavery rules and the things of, of that sense. However, there's been amendments and things to the 14th that, you know, some articles and stuff that has separated. You need, you need to check it out, bro, in, in, in more detail, and, and the listeners too, because it, it really goes into how you have to speak their language. Because mm-hmm. they go back to what's written. Understanding political jargon is definitely a necessity. In, 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 <laughs> With a foul question. Is, is a necessity. Yeah, that, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier with the state gerrymandering mm. that's going to likely pass because of not understanding of political law. I agree with all, almost everything you said. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can't think of an area where I disagree with you, actually. The challenge that I see and the thought process that I, you know, I always try to have this podcast take on and for our listeners is, well, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. What are the steps that need to be taken to convince the right people to have the right types of conversations to get us to the thought processes viewing the ailments of our society, the ailments of our individuality of 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 my person, you know, as a a total problem that that everyone in in, in society needs to contribute to solving versus the foundational of like how American society is is well that's more individualistic right like the problems that you have is just like your individual problem mm-hmm. that's not really contributing to like me and my problem over here except when you try to kill me but that's because that was your problem that and you didn't deal with it right so how do you how do you start to have those conversations about and and change the narrative in a way that has folks considering you know tackling these these problems as a total issue that hurts all of society I would say going to the streets and start speaking that language to the listeners and people on the other side. You can't play both sides. Like, this ain't something that... So no reform from the inside? Nah. Because, seriously, they know. The inside know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to reform them. They know. It's like you're trying to change the ingredients that's already in the food that's made. Nah, you gotta get your new plate. Then you... T- taste that now taste this and what I mean by both sides is sometimes as community leaders and representatives and things like that keeping the same message sometimes we get sidelined and and challenged through the efforts of the inside because the inside has the funding Mm -hmm. they have the knowledge stand fast understand your battle don't play both sides don't get scared know that if you know what you're doing is right do that don't take the bait. Understand the end game. Like, majority of the stuff that we go through as a society is having one voice. 
we could point the finger at all the atrocities. We lost a three-year-old getting our hair braided. We lost two young men in the Chinese store right down the street. We got a wreck standing down the street that don't got no quality programs. We, we can do all that. However, we got Miss Yvonne down the street. We got the young boys that really run on help. We got kids out here that all they want to do is have fun. What are we going to do as old heads? If we all we say we want to do is help our community and it's about these kids, get one voice. And you can't play both sides. Because if it's about the kids, you can't be out here blowing. You can't be out here playing with the gats because somebody's going to do something. The same thing that you promote the nonsense, and it's the laws too. Because if you're going to get out and vote, you better attend them school board meetings. You better go to them advisory council meetings. That's what I mean by playing both sides. Don't vote in November. You better vote in January. You better vote in February. You better go to the meetings. You better go to the grassroots. You better start your own block cabin meetings. You can't just rock on one day because then you become part of the problem because they only want your face for one time, and that's for them. They could care two less about the other 364 days out the year. Like for us is always being at the table, being consistent, understanding that mental and emotional health is priority. We know that therapy and trauma needs to be addressed in our community. Who's going to open up the doors? If we're going to sit there and be like, oh, they need to build a rec center, they're not going to do it. But if you got a faith-based organization or a community organization or somebody in there that's going to open up the doors, put together a team, get you a grant from the Department of Health. Get you a grant from somebody that's going to get you them. And if they don't, that's what you march on. That's what Black Lives Matter stand for. Right. When you got a rec center that's right down the street and they don't have an after-school program for your kids, that's when you go down to your elected officials and you say, hold up. My vote count. Be the change that you seek. That's it. It's easy to point it like, yo, why the president? Hold up. You could be soup kitchens on every corner. We shouldn't need to. But if you need a crossing guard because kids can't cross the street, get a crossing guard. And that's working with your police department. If you want to defund the police and defunding me, putting it in the programs or resources that's necessary, open up some more power centers. Get some explorers programs going on. Get you some crossing guards. Get you some lifeguards in the summertime for the rec centers. That's how you work with them. Mm -hmm. That's how you defund them. Get them into all them youth programs because they have a community engagement team that can go out there and give conflict resolution, counseling, food, all those type of programs that's needed. Don't have them waste the money or save it and they roll it over into and then they give each other raises. Make them use it. Get on their PDACs, their police department advisory councils that give input to the commissioner. Don't don't be scared to walk into the district. We pay for that. Mm-hmm. The district is for us. Right. Find out who their captains are. Find out who's on who judges are running in office right now. This one you check your roster. Yeah. Fair. Any other questions you want to add in? Um, I did. I had one question. Is kind of off. Is off topic of where we are. It's but okay. you you mentioned something earlier in your intro with talking about loving another black man. And I found that to be very profound because black men don't often talk about loving each other and loving another man that's not and it's not a romantic way. I think people equate Mm -hmm. love with romance and not just with familial or just platonic love, um, especially men, especially black men. So how do you how do you get that message forward to the young black men and boys that you work with? 
and, and, and push the message forward of loving each other, saying that they love each other and, and, and teaching each other how to love each other. So, and, and it's not to be repeated. I mean, to sound repentant, but not playing both sides. If I tell somebody I love them, I do. They know Rick's story. If mm-hmm. I tell you I love you, oh, he ain't on that type time. But why? Because I know that if you bang with Rick, you ain't doing it but trying to get out. If you say I love, and they say, I love you too, bro, say no more. That say no more is the conversation is you don't got to go into deep mm-hmm. about what's going on. And this love that we got, show it to the other young boys. Show it to the other old heads. Because I got some. Lost my old head terror in the summertime. It hurt. Couldn't even say goodbye. But he was uh, sit down with, talk with, go through it. Sometimes I just hit, man, listen, I don't know what's going on, but, man, I miss you. I, I hit you. Like, we were raised by women in our community. Let's, let's not be... Y'all are the most affectionate people on this earth. Why are we afraid to show what's been given to us? Y'all have shown us nothing but love. So why not show it to my other brother? I tell one of the young boys, and, and this is, I got three daughters. Loving ain't hitting. Right. I love you, bro. You ain't got to put your hands on your girl. No, but she, chill. Don't you love your mom? Don't you love your sister? And if you love her, you don't got to communicate that way. And they get it. Bro, I love you. Because if you draw, you going to go to jail. You're going to lose the little gig that you got. Because I remember when I was booked, I watched my daughter grow up for the first five years in jail. Mm. Corny. So just, just showing that love and, and being consistent with it and not playing both sides. Because I'm not going to tell the young boys I love them and then put a gat in their hand either. Right. Because that ain't love. I'm not going to go mess with their mom knowing that I'm their old head. That ain't love. I'm not going to touch their sister. I'm not going to give them the work. Because that ain't love. Right. I just think that is it's extremely profound and it's it's so simple and it doesn't seem like it's something that's profound, but it is considering the ails that our community has been forced in. Just the simple fact of saying I love you to someone, mm-hmm. especially for a man, I think, and black men in particular, is, is just a beautiful thing to see it and hear it. And so I, I commend you on pushing that that pushing that forward. Thank you. Tariq, representing Young Chansons Foundation, tell us, uh, give me a, a one 30-second elevator description, pitch, no, it's not pitch, cause like, I mean, <laughs> not like, but like, you know, tell tell the folks, tell the folks pro- about uh, Young Chances and and where to find you. Young Chances Foundation. We're based out of South Philadelphia on Twenty Seventh and Tasker. Our phone number is two six seven five eight five two nine two three. We're there Monday through Saturdays, eight to eight. Just trying to provide programs and resources for our community, man. A Facebook, Young Chances, Instagram at Young Chances Foundation. And we could always connect through, you know, podcasts. Hopefully, just to have our page, just so we'll be tagging. Just partner from there, man. Yeah. We uh, we definitely will. We'll put all your uh, your Instagram and website and everything in the show notes and everything. Appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. This was yes, this was thank dope. Thank you so much. Thank you, bro. All right. We are going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our Whack Asses of the Week.
Hey everybody, I know throughout this pandemic, everyone has been saying we're all in this together. Well, here at Salas Corner, I want to really hear from you and what you're enduring during this pandemic. Give us a call, leave us a voice memo, and we'll play that on our next episode of Salas Corner. That number is 267-225-5891. Share with me your thoughts, your feelings, things that you're doing to survive during this pandemic, and you'll get your memo featured on the next episode of Salas Corner. All right, welcome back. We are uh, we had an amazing interview. Yeah, that um, was awesome. Great really, conversation. Really great. Very Thank thought you. provoking. Yes, uh, appreciate you being here and dropping some gems. Right. It was uh, I think folks, hopefully folks that's listening out there can start to view, like I said, the the elements of our society as a total health crisis, mm-hmm. and not just these individual problems that individuals themselves need to solve. That it takes a society to to address them. So. And, and bro, before, you know, I, I know you got time, but I also mm-hmm. want to thank you, too, bro, for changing the narrative to how we communicate and how we get stuff out. Because a lot of times people, they don't tend to come back and they don't tend to do what's necessary to change. You know, you ask me some questions that is on the ground, but what you're doing is really moving out there, too. You know, like there's not people who share our message in a light that needs to be shared. There's not people who who definitely look like us, who are willing to share the platform. You know, in our community, there's there's an ownership group, you know, and you willing to to spread that message, not only for yourself, but for other black men. It helps, bro. So I know this is not the time for me to be, you know, doing it, but bro, like this hey, message. Hey, man, I take all the hey, love give, I can give get. Give him his flowers. I, I take all the love I can get. What you talking about? <laughs> always a space to get. <laughs> nah, I, I appreciate that, though. I do want to say, you know, you mentioned some networks that should, that should actually be covering you, and I agree. But I did see you out there with Cherry Gregg. Yeah, well, sure. She's she, she's another one, man. Yeah. You know, she she definitely <laughs> she rocks, man. And that's why I say like looks like us and, and from us. There. But I, I was saying that on on, on a bigger scale because yeah. you yeah. know yeah. the folk who who forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's not about the memory. Like you forget because for me, it's preventing the memories. Yeah, it, it's for it's preventing the pain. And, and what you're doing is like, listen, Rika, we can make sure that maybe that network here and they want to do something. That's 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 what the goal, man. Exactly. Appreciate that. All right, it's time for whack ass of the week. Oh, All right. So I last have a week, good one. Last week was, or I should say, two weeks ago was Kristen Cinema. Okay. Was yours? Yes. Right. And then mine's was. Do you remember? Um, no. Actually, you you might like this one. My la- my my whack. Was it the health week, commissioner? It was the health commissioner. <laughs> it was Thomas Farley. Of course, of course he, he won. Oh, he won. Overwhelmingly, I knew that. and that was just a shitty way of handling the pandemic. Let's be let's be real. All right, yeah. so new week, new whack asses, new whack asses. Like I said, I've said this before. You usually win, <laughs> which is fine with me because the my choice is still whack as fuck. That's true. They always all whack. Just which one's more whack? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who want to go first? Me or you? I usually go first, so how about That's you true. go first you this time? I usually do go first. All right, I'll go ahead. My whack ass this week is, uh, I'm surprised I haven't picked him yet, but I will say Dr. William Height. Honestly, just really just what appears to be just a shitty and unthoughtful way of constantly trying to reopen our schools and failing mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. I'm really surprised because we've talked about how shitty the, the plans yeah, are with the fans have. on the wood boards in the schools. Oh, in they're, the by, the they're not doing that. I know. But like, <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Like, it, but I, I'm just shocked that I haven't made him a whack-ass. Yeah, yet. no, you haven't. But he gets that just because it 
Time and time again, we've shown that the school district hasn't been ready with a cohesive plan to open schools, yet the effort just keeps being pushed forward. Mm -hmm. And it just seems to be you either only care, it could be both of these, you only care about the the numbers of attendance, because that's a that's a problem for Philadelphia schools. Let's name mm-hmm. that because of the pandemic, and yet that it, that exists. So I understand the conundrum of trying to reopen schools, but you either only care about attendance, or you actually want to harm students and teachers because you want to open a window and have cold air blowing in in the middle of the fucking winter. This was also like weeks right before like these snowstorms hit. So. Dr. Hyde, whack ass at a week for me. Or another option could be that this the end goal, regardless, is to defund completely defund public school system and I mean, go into. Are they what, funded right now though? But are, you know what I. But you, you know you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> like they they've had this war that. they've had this war on public school across the country for decades. True. And this is just giving them an excuse to exact more terror and harm to public school students. Very, very, very true. All right, who you got? Okay. So mine, as usual, You said I was going to love this. So. Mine, is, as usual, is a, a national one. My whack ass of the week is the South Dakota Attorney General, Jason Ravensborg. Mm. In September 2020, he hit a man and killed him on his way home somewhere. I don't know. I forget. Um, but he left the scene and said that he thought it was a deer. The police uh, the police gave him a cruiser to go home. No, Apparently no one saw this man lying on the side of the road dying. <laughs> that ain't it. His glasses were in his front seat, and he still claims to have not seen him, and the police are um, questioning him, on, and you can hear the audio of them saying, but his face was in your windshield. <laughs> wow. That's wild. That's that and he funny, is refusing to step down. Wait, so who is name name and position again? His name is Jason Ravensborg. He is the South Dakota <laughs> Attorney General. Wow. Murdered somebody. Wow. Driving home, hit him with his car. His face was in his fucking windshield. Glasses landed on his front seat. Wow. And he claims to have thought it was a deer and is refusing to step down. He not he could have knocked the deer's glasses off. I mean, and landed in his car. <laughs> and the police gave was... him a vehicle to go home. Wow. And then so and they they didn't do like a breathalyzer or anything. They don't know if he was impaired because the police didn't do any kind of breathalyzer or anything. So there's no there's nothing to go off of, and so that, yeah, that's a they wild are story. calling him. They are calling for his his resignation. He's refusing to resign, and even Governor Nome, who is the the one of the worst people in the world, she's even requesting for him to step down, and he's not. Nome is a, the Republican governor of South Dakota. of South Dakota, and she is terrible on COVID restrictions and masking <laughs> and stuff like that. But and even she's asking for his resignation. She has some morals about and, this, you know. <laughs> right, and and he's he's just refusing. Surprising when and where folks get morals, yeah. but we'll vote. We'll put those in our story for whack ass of the week. That that's a oof. That's it's a, a doozy mouthful. for yeah, you. That is a doozy. We'll <laughs> vote in the coming weeks, and we'll share out on the next episode. One more time, Tariq, Young Chances. Finger appreciate snaps. you Finger being snaps. here. Finger snaps indeed. Anything else before we wrap up, Farrah? Support black women. Happy Women's Month, everyone. Um, yeah. Dope, dope. 
appreciate you being here. Salah's Corner is recorded out of Rec Philly. It is a space for creatives. It is produced by producer the great Reina. Oh, yeah, she has a name, producer I, the great. I, I think we're gonna go. With I like. Producer the great. I like that. I like Reyna. it. All right, shout out to you, Reina. Um, <laughs> and features my co-host Farah. Appreciate you all being here. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.